In this episode of The Interface, I sit down with my good friend, Fred Farahani, General Manager of Amphenol Nexus Technologies in Stanford, Connecticut. Fred has been with Amphenol since 2008, when Nexus Incorporated was acquired by Amphenol. We talk about the history of Nexus from its origins in 1961, all the way up to the latest developments with the company. We also talk about Fred's odyssey of emigrating to the U.S. from Iran in 1979. We talk about his initial feelings when Amphenol acquired Nexus and how those feelings changed very quickly. We talk about his fire to strive for greatness still burning bright. And we talk about surpassing his wildest imagination for what was possible in his life. This is The Interface. What I wanted to talk to you about, uh, I think because, I mean, you and I have known each other for close to 10 years now, having worked for you here at Nexus. How many and years were you here? About two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and I think that Nexus was an acquisition by Amphenol back in 2008 and is uh, one of the smaller divisions. I think it's fair to say that as far as just the, the size. And, used and to scope. be the smallest, but I think there are one or two smaller ones. Now. Okay. But I think still a lot of people within Amphenol maybe don't know a lot about Amphenol Nexus. So can you just give us the history of, of Nexus, you know, distilling you know, almost 60 years of history down into a, <laughs> a few minutes. All right. Well, Nexus was founded by my um, ex-business partner, Bill Flanagan, in February of 1961. Mm -hmm. So this February makes it nine, uh, 59 years. And, uh, well, he had a partner uh, at the time who was the money partner and uh, operations partner. His name was Randy Byers. And the two of them started the business. Uh, all of the designs came by my partner, uh, the gentleman that became my partner in the future, uh, uh, who's Bill Flanagan. Mm -hmm. uh, and Randy ran the show, basically, uh, the operations and uh, production management and so on. Uh, the two of them owned the business. The, well, the, the, the fact that the, they came up uh, with a better way of making some connectors that were already in use by the U.S. military uh, in aircrafts and uh, for uh, communications. That was their claim to fame. And they were what what type of connectors? They were they were these, um, for lack of a better word, like the guitar type of uh, connectors. They were four mm -hmm. conductors. Uh, audio connectors. They are blind mated. They are so basically they are round. There's no keying them. And in the past, uh, they were being they were made with the contacts in so many pieces soldered together. What he did, what uh, Bill Flanagan did, was to to make the contacts in one piece. So there is no no solder joints and no solder joints. That means no failure and no resistance. So you don't hear any additional noise in your headset. Mm -hmm. And that became the the military standard. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, 59 years later. Nexus is still the, the sole source on the QPL on this uh, on these parts, and we probably sold somewhere in the vicinity of fifty thousand of them uh, in the past twelve months. Mm -hmm. So it's a very much alive thing, and uh, any any military aircraft has a made a pair of these in it. So that's how the company was founded on that one idea. And as the years went by, they introduced more products and. Uh, and uh, the company grew around that from a 
to my operation to to what it turned out to be at the time that I joined the company in 1997. 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a six million dollar company with about uh, 40, 50 employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joined the company um, after leaving a job uh, in powdered metals. Uh, I was a, I was in manufacturing, and my background is I'm a mechanical engineer. And I was managing a company uh, by, the, by the name of Norwalk Powdered Metals. Uh, I was doing engineering, and I was also the plant manager. I had been there for 14 years. And I, I started looking, and I came across Nexus, and I saw the potential on it. And I very immediately realized that the owners didn't see the, the potential. <laughs> they what, were, what did you see as far as potential? Well, they were just using this still like a little uh, out of the garage kind of business. And I saw the technologies that they had back then mm-hmm. and the type of products that they were making. And I realized that they really were not going after what they could have gone after and grow this business. Uh, they had a bunch of employees at the time that, uh, again, they treated this business like a uh, uh, some side job, and the company wasn't run like a company. All of the designs were still done on the back of a cocktail napkin, mm-hmm. and uh, um, we are sitting in a conference room right now. When I came in here, there was no uh, conference room. Yeah. There was no uh, proper, as a matter of fact, when I came for my interview in here, the partner that interviewed me, uh, interviewed me with his shorts and t-shirts, and uh, as unprofessional as you can get <laughs> and then I did a little study and I uh, the type of business that they had and I did realize that they are sitting on a, uh, a, a gold egg laying uh, mm. goose and they, they are not aware of it yeah and uh, I realized that's my opportunity because I wasn't planning on being a production manager somewhere for years and years and years sure so that's not the, the, le- the reason that I left my country to come here. I didn't <laughs> want to become a mediocre you know, right. person. So anyway, so I, I uh, immediately took the job. And as a matter of fact, when I took the job, the, the gentleman that was interviewing me, interviewing me uh, Randy Byers, he was sure that I was going to leave within three, four months because mm-hmm. he says that, Fred, there's, it's crazy that you're leaving that job for this job. He just didn't get the concept. Well, within, I was actually, by the way, I got the job as a, as a production manager. And uh, within six months, I discovered things that were being done wrong. I came up with ways of running the business more like a business, mm-hmm. and I tightened everything up. And they were so impressed by it that they decided that uh, they didn't need a production manager in me, but they wanted the uh, general manager. So mm-hmm. I became general manager within six months. And of course, about a few months after that, they announced to me that, Fred, we are selling the business. <laughs> and would you help make the business look good so buyers would, would buy it? Mm-hmm. Well, they were good to me, and I could not refuse that. But I also realized that they are making a mistake. So mm-hmm. I approached, I knew Randy wanted to retire. Randy had no emotional attachment to the business because he was just a 
money guy. Mm-hmm. But Bill Flanagan had emotional attachment because all of the products at the time were his babies. They were all his designs. We didn't copy somebody else's parts. We, we, they were doing original designs. Fresh new designs. Exactly. Yeah. So I knew he was emotionally attached to it. And I approached him and I said, Bill, it's a mistake. Don't sell this. And he said, well, Randy is leaving and I can't handle running the business. He's been doing that for 37 years at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, well, I'm around. He says, well, you could leave me tomorrow I, because you're an employee. If you were an owner, you could talk. So that's when it's a long story how I wound up with uh, going to the banks for $3.5 million <laughs> loan and, uh, yeah. and uh, came with some creative ways of becoming a uh, partner. And I became partners and we bought Randy out. That was uh, July 21st. 1998. I, know, I remember it to the minute. It's one of those days in someone's life. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, I don't drink. If pe- people that know me mm-hmm. know that I don't drink. I, I know. And people that knew Bill Flanagan knew that he drank. <laughs> uh, so he wanted to celebrate. And of course, I walked with him into a bar and mm-hmm. we sat down and I ordered a beer and for myself and he ordered it. Uh, Jack Daniels for himself, and um, I drank the beer with him. Yeah, just to celebrate. I didn't want to let him down. Yeah, you know, this this business partnership was not going to uh, be something that I would let my partner down. Sure. So when he wanted me to drink a beer, I drank a beer. <laughs> you sacrificed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then, uh, uh, so we we went uh, at the time that Amphenol came to us. Ten years later, mm-hmm. uh, our the, our business had grown three times um and how did it how did it grow three times well we uh, 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 i became not only the uh general manager but i only also became the uh, engineer right engineer in charge if you will because sure. um, bill flanagan became the silent partner at that point he used to come in read his wall street journal and uh, <laughs> and answered questions here and there but uh I ran the business and we introduced uh, some miniature connectors. Uh, we uh, we come, became uh, probably about uh, maybe 20, 25 different new products. Mm-hmm. And um, I was much younger and I was very am- ambitious. And I was up to my eyeballs, by the way, into debt. And I wasn't planning on telling my wife that we had to sell the house. So I had to go <laughs> sell some business. And I did. We got into some really good, uh, good jobs. And... Uh, and so we got into the uh, VizX program, to Viz program, mm-hmm. which is VIC3. Uh, we got into that, and that was unbelievable amount of work. Uh, we, we got into some um, gas masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got into a lot of different areas that the company didn't get into before then. And, uh, and that was the goose that I was talking to you yeah. about that I had seen and the uh, potential. The, the potential. And so I, I, did, I got into those and it was successful. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the day that we, we were bought, we had uh, exactly tripled our size. And the, the one funny story I have to tell you if yeah. you have time. We have uh, all the time in the world. We had signed all of the paperwork. Yeah. And we went to... Uh, there was a customer at the time that was about 20% of our business. Mm-hmm. And that company is now an Amphenol division, uh, Amphenol Telect. Mm-hmm. They're in the state of Washington. And I got into, into travels. I wasn't about to sit sit home and just enjoy the, the same, same old, same old. So I was calling 
people and going seeing them and telling them that you know we are ready for more business. So I went to visit this guy in a state of Washington to thank him for his business, introduce myself, even though we had been talking on the phone in the past, but just appreciate your business. What else can I do? I went there and he said, this is, this is within a month or two of the time that we had signed the paperwork and we had uh, mortgage, monthly mortgage payments like yeah. I didn't even know how I was going to pay. <laughs> so I go to, to visit him and uh, he says to me, the buyer says, Fred, thank you very much for coming here because I didn't want to tell you this on the phone. We found a way of doing this job in China. So starting, it was a couple months after that, we are planning on going to China. So there is going to be no more of this business. Yeah. So we lost 20% of our business two months after, well, four months after we signed the paperwork and we beca <laughs> I became an owner. <laughs> you talk about getting nervous. Yeah. But anyway, everything, everything went well. We were able to pay off all the loans uh, in half the time that mm -hmm. we had them for. And July 1st of 2008 is when Amphenol, when Nexus became proudly Amphenol Nexus Technologies. And that was Gary, um, Mm -hmm. Gary's uh, uh, Gary Anderson's mm -hmm. uh, doing his, and my wife never lets me down on that one because Amphenol Nexus Technologies initials is Ant. Yeah, and at the time I was the smallest division, <laughs> so we were the little ants. <laughs> so that was the little quick history of um, Amphenol Nexus. Now I tell you where we are going. Yeah, and that is where all of the Amphenol goes which is grow, grow, grow. And then when you're done growing, grow a little bit more. Right. We are actually in the middle of uh, uh, a move that's coming in the next few months. Uh, we are going to a facility that's twice as big and obviously going to a place that's gonna be twice as big, again, as an Amphenol customary uh, move, we are going to make sure we move and we get three times bigger, so we are going to be short uh, in space as soon as we get to that sp facility. That's the plan. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where we are, and that's where we will be. Yeah, that's great. Did that answer you? Yeah, but, yeah. I gave you the, the long answer. answer. I'm so sorry. Yeah, if you could repeat the middle part. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch the. Uh, middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Let me rewind. So you you briefly mentioned it when you were talking through some of that stuff. Is that you came to this country? What it's about forty years ago now, right? July thirty first, nineteen seventy nine. So this July thirty first, I celebrated my fortieth year from Iran. From Iran. So. I don't know how much you want to get in. So how did how did all that come about to get here and okay. and? Um, but during the time that I was growing up in Iran, which is 1922. No, I'm just yeah. Um, during the time that I came, I was growing up in Iran. It was fashionable uh, to go to the U.S., get a bachelor's degree, and come back home, mm -hmm. and then you you had it made. If you had the means and the brains to go and get a degree from the U.S. and come back home, you had it made for the rest of your life. You sure. got a desk and a job and a car, a couple of, couple of cars, a couple of houses, and you were just fine. So based on that kind of thing, and by the way, I was among the very, very few of my friends, and I see a lot of people that have this problem. A lot of people don't know what they want to be. Mm-hmm. From the moment I was probably eight or 10 years old, I knew I was gonna be a mechanical engineer. Really? 
Absolutely. I knew I was going to be an engineer and I knew I was going to be a mechanical engineer. Yeah. So uh, my intention from very early stage was to go to the U.S., get an engineering degree and come back home and live a nice, comfortable life. And based on that idea, I, my parents were kind enough to send me to a very good high school. So I, I knew I had no problem coming here. Mm-hmm. The only problem was that uh, about, uh, well, in Iran, the, it's the, the, the rules was that you went to uh, high school. Then if you didn't want to go to, a, to an Iranian college, you had to go do your military service right, right. and then get out. Well, I knew I wasn't going to, the, to any school in Iran, so I just went ahead and finished high school and reported for duty. Mm-hmm. And about, um, I had four years, four months of um, basic training, yeah. which was right by the desert. That's a whole fun story I'll tell you one day. <laughs> uh, it was right by the border of uh, Afghanistan. Oh. Right after that is when the so-called revolution, I hate to put the name of revolution on this idiot, a uh, bunch of idiots you know, screaming in the streets. Yeah. But that happened, and of course, smack about two-thirds of my, about maybe uh, half of my military service is when the regime changed. Mm-hmm. So I did my military service half for the Shah and half for, the, for Khomeini's uh, mm-hmm. regime. And, uh, but I was fortunate enough to get out in one piece. And I never forget the moment that I got out of the service, um, I walked from the base to a bus, caught the bus to American embassy in Tehran. And I stood in line there without going home. Really? And I stayed in that line for 36 hours. Oh my goodness. I called my family. They brought me all of the documentations which we had prepared. And 36 hours later, I went in there and saw, saw the powers to be and I had an interview and, and um, didn't speak in a word of English, but I pretended with the guy that I did. So he started speaking in English to me very shortly. He realized that now I better speak to him in his own language. Yeah. And he spoke a very fluent Farsi, by the way. And uh, I was among, according to him, I was one of the two people that day that was getting a visa. Wow. And wow. I got the visa. Yeah. Within three days, I was in the plane on my way to the U.S. And that was three months before the hostage taking. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, I came over here and my first introduction to the U.S. in JFK was uh, that I, I was strip searched Okay. By a couple of uh, very enthusiastic about their job um, officers. Sure. And one of them happened to be a woman. Okay. And I wasn't used to being strip searched <laughs> by a woman. So that was the fun part. But, uh, yeah. but anyways, I came in and um, I came here with $3,000 mm-hmm. uh, in, in the form of a check on me. And uh, my brother was going to school at the time and unbeknownst to me half of that belonged to my brother mm. so, then, so you spent his half uh, no i had to <laughs> give it to him i had to give it to him Sorry. i wound up with about 1600 dollars. i had to pay tuition and two weeks of rent uh, mm-hmm. security and by the time i paid everything and it got in my apartment i had somewhere about 250 dollars on me 
So I'm assuming, I mean, this is a long time By ago. By the way, this, this is, is July 1979. Right, so this is over 40 years ago. How much of that still, how much, how much is that still a part of just going about your everyday life as far as, you know, that, that, I don't want to call it struggle necessarily, but you know, that, that's a, it's a, it's a traumatic event in a good and bad way. The, uh, first of all, that was a challenge. When you are, at the time when I came here, um, July 31st, I came here on August 19th was my 20th birthday. Mm. So I was a young kid yeah, when, when sure. I came here and that was fun. Okay. We, I look at it now and I'm saying to myself, how the heck this, did this idiot come here without knowing anything and <laughs> but at the time this was a challenge this yeah. was fun that yeah. was i i still look back at it and um, i enjoy the memories of that so it wasn't traumatic oh absolutely know? not traumatic oh, okay. but the fire is still burning when you come in here when uh, at least that's the way it felt to me when you come over here you have a lot to prove Mm-hmm. I didn't come here. I told you halfway in my long story of Nexus. Yeah. I didn't come here to be mediocre. I came here to excel. Mm-hmm. I came here to conquer, if you will, to conquer my fears, conquer my limits, con- conquer everything. I didn't want to come here and put in a, put in a uh, time card somewhere. Yeah. And so from the moment that I started, I've done businesses i've owned stores i've done you name it uh so i did all of these things because i wanted to right have a above normal life and i believe all of the people that come here all of the foreigners if you will mm-hmm. uh, all of the immigrant immigrants they come here with the same kind of ideology yeah if i wanted to be mediocre i would have been in iran yeah so that's that's what it is and of course the fact that Almost a year after I came here, I met the best person that I could have met, my future wife. That helped me a lot. Yeah. And so she kept me focused. Yeah. And and to, to this day, I'm sitting over here, fire is burning within me to excel, to improve, to, to do better. So that's basically every fiber of your being has that desire to, I need to do a good job. I need to excel. I have pride in everything I do. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So that's that's what never goes away. Okay. So that's what I have had, and uh, and I've been fortunate that um, every everywhere that I went, job wise, uh, career wise, uh, family wise, it seems like every everything has worked out so good for me so far. That's good. Yeah, so, no, that's, and, that's, and I'm not, and I don't take it for granted. I'm I'm sure you don't. Yeah. yeah. All I have to do is to make a phone call to my sister back in Iran to realize that there is nothing to take for granted in this country for what we have. Have you been back at all? Never. Never. I refuse to. I, I've decided that I'm not going back under the current regime. And you became a citizen? Oh, I became a citizen in 1985. Okay. So it's thir- what is it, 34 years now. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a smooth way to transition off of all that. <laughs> I mean that's deep, but it's great. It's great stuff. I think it's great information. But um, let me just get a little bit back to to Amphenol, and then we'll sure. we'll uh, we'll kind of give some final thoughts and stuff. But you were acquired by Amphenol, you being Nexus mm-hmm. in in two thousand and eight. Uh, how much of a change? How scared were you with all that when when this big you know corporation that at the time two thousand eight I don't know was probably three or four billion. It's over eight now. I mean. 
Were you worried about that when you were first acquired? When Amphenol bought us, uh, Amphenol was $3 billion. Right. right. So this is, this is more than double, almost triple. Um, I went home that day uh, after drinking uh, the beer. The beer. <laughs> and I told my wife I was happy. This is when I became partner. So I was really happy, happy, happy. Uh, when this 10 years later, when Amphenol bought us, I went home and I told my wife, I hope that you have plans for retirement because Amphenol is going to take me, suck my brain dry, <laughs> and then within a year, they're going to spit me out. Yeah. So this was my, you know, I, this is a $3 billion company at the time. I was a, we were a tiny business. And right. that was the, the general idea that the people had given me about biz, big businesses buying you. So, um, so what happened was that it turned out completely against what I had thought it was going to be. Yeah, group of people in Sydney, and I really have a lot of respect for them. Sydney, New York, the mm -hmm. uh, AAO, they were, they couldn't be more helpful than, even if I had uh, the best of my dreams. They were very helpful people. Helped me get into the um, into the company helped me uh, with distribution, helped me with our, so you name it. And my joke is that the day that I, that I got settled in with, with Amphenol, you could not tell that this business was purchased by them. I don't know why they gave us some money because <laughs> they allowed us to continue what we were good at. And when I mm -hmm. brought it up to Gary at the time, and I said, there's no differences here. He says, Fred, we buy successful businesses and for us to, to try to change them would be very foolish. We have some oversights on them, but we allow them to do what they're good at. Mm -hmm. And it, that has been the case from day one. They've allowed me to do what Nexus is capable of doing, and they just helped us do it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So they've been there to guide us, they've been help, there to help us, but they've been hands off. They don't tell me how to put my jacket on which arm to go first, which right. arm to go How first. How to write an email. Exactly, and yeah, that yeah. is very smart. And throughout the years, I've seen other acquisitions, I've seen other businesses, that uh, other sister companies, and I talked to them, and they've all been the same. Okay, yeah, I was gonna ask you, it's like, very successful. If, if you've been, in essence, like a mentor for for uh, businesses who've acquired since you were. Yes, I have become very good friends with a lot yeah. of my dear uh, general manager <laughs> friends, yeah. and. Uh, and yeah, we're all happy. It's, it's, it's great they're present enough to be a help, but they walk out when it's being a burden. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm, I'm very happy with, with I, I just wish this had happened 10 years earlier. Yeah. That's the way I look at it, actually. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And of course, I can't tell, say, tell enough. This is, not a, uh, this is not a plug for Luke, but it's been amazing. Uh, I'm very happy working with Luke on this. Right. He's been very, he, he, <laughs> he has a way of getting you to be a part of the team very easily. Yes, yeah. agreed. So yes. I like him. Yeah. Yes, myself as well. Okay. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, because we probably should have done this in the beginning, and we're going to do it at the end, but at least we're going to do it. What? Do you think, as the person who runs this this particular company here, what makes Nexus special and unique in the marketplace for what you guys do and, and what you provide? We first of all, we have a unique products. We 
we uh, we make very good product. We have a very quick turnaround. We our turnaround uh, our lead time, I should say, to pr- produce a product is quicker in most of the uh, applications than it takes the larger companies to get it to their engineering or quote it <laughs> or quote it for that matter. <laughs> so so we turn on a dime. Yeah. Uh, and the one of the most expensive parts of the country uh, we operate in, but our pricing to the customers are, we are every day of the week we are competing with China, India, and all of the cheap uh, low low labor rate area right. parts of the world. So we are competing with them and we are winning them. We don't we don't take pride in being cheap, cheaply priced product, but the value of our products as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, the te- the technology of it and the pricing the whole thing combined we compete with with a lot of big companies and we beat them and of course we take our customers uh, relationship to greater level mm-hmm. uh, we are on a phone call basis and visit basis with the uh, decision makers of our customers parts uh, all the time uh, we have certain schedule of, uh, of Fred visiting the customers. I have six month visit customers, I yeah. have three month visit customers, and I have one year customers yeah. visit customers. So we, we, are, we are very much hands on with our customer service. Mm-hmm. And of course the fact that we have probably about 300 years worth of experience between the, the people working uh, with our, custo- our, yeah. our customer relationships. You know Valerie, mm-hmm. she's been here, she just celebrated 46 years with Jeez. company in last Friday. Wow. Okay, Perlene has been, has been here for 37 years. Yeah. Uh, so we throw these, uh, these seniority numbers like they are, you know, uh, nothing, but you know. But I thought that average. was their ages. Yeah, well, uh, Valerie looks 40, <laughs> she looks 42, but she's been with us for 46 years. Yeah. So a lot of seniority, a lot of people who care for what they're doing. So. That's what sets us apart. The customer calls over here, they know they're getting an answer, whether it's a technical, whether it's a product, or whether it's a, uh, uh, expediting. How about from a technology standpoint? We, we come up, you know, I'm, I have to be very careful of how I say this, because okay. we are in a very, Amphenol is a very technology-based company, mm-hmm. and we are probably not at the, top of the technology with the Amphenol as fine. compared yeah. to the rest of my oh, sister, yeah. sister companies. But for what we are making, the end product is, uh, is high technology. Our product, like uh, when we make a connector that has absolutely no solder joints, n- no parts for, especially when you're putting it on your headphone, you don't want to hearing this hissing noise because there are too many joints on that connector. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of things that we make. You could we we have uh, we, we had a uh, little uh, video uh, clip that showed one of our connectors that, that we drove the car over. Yeah, these are the kinds of things that we have. They are indestructive and they are used for harsh environment, and they are used with as little moving parts as possible. Right, probably as imaginable. So yes, we are high, high, and like I said, they are reliable. Um, we are on all of the uh, aircraft or of the military aircraft, and you can't stay there for forty, what did I say, uh, fifty-nine years, yeah. 
if you and didn't have the technology. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we are actually in NASA. You go take a tour in NASA. You see our uh, connectors on the mannequins that they are displaying. Um, I, my wife always gets a kick out of me coming home from these places with all these pictures <laughs> of the Nexus connector on this uh, uh, uniform and so on and so forth. So big pe big uh, aircraft people use us. Big uh, uh, Humvees, big, yeah. you know, and tanks and everybody they use us. So we are reliable. So did you expect all this when you left Iran 40 years ago? When I left Iran, I knew, and I don't want to say, I, I'm, you know, remember, I have a very small vocabulary. Uh, I've only spoken this language for 40 years. <laughs> so I expected greatness. I, I didn't want to become uh, ordinary ordinary person. Yeah. But I, if, if you had told me, write the wildest scenario that your life could take, there is no way I would come, come close to this. Yeah. I have two kids. Yeah. One of them is a doctor in Boston, an eye surgeon. One of them is an executive at a corporate in Tampa, Florida. Uh, I have the best looking and best and kindest wife that you could imagine. These right. are things that I just yeah. could not even imagine. It's, you can't imagine. I mean, you know, it's, it's humanly, that's, that's what I guess, that's, that's what makes life interesting. You can't imagine these things until they happen. You have to work for them, yeah. but when they happen, you say, wow. And my mind never stops blowing. <laughs> Fred, thank you very much. I appreciate it as always. Thank you very much for coming.